welcome to Sellersburg United Methodist Church podcast, where we bring our mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world to you, wherever you are. You may know me, you may not know me. One thing to know about me is that I am a dad, I'm a father, I have four children. And, you know, I know more about life and love and faith uh, through my children than I have ever come to know about these things beyond my children. Uh, It's a gift to be a parent, a gift that I do not take for granted. It's incredibly hard and wonderfully rewarding. And I know that many people, they don't get to experience this gift. And it, it could be by choice or not by choice. But one observation that I've had as a dad is the kind of relationship that I have with my children and and the kind of unique relationship this is. My kids, they don't know all the intricacies and complexities of relationships. They really only know their relationship with each other, siblings, and with my wife and I as, as husband and wife and as parents to them. They don't know what a broken heart is. My kids have never been betrayed. And to my knowledge, they've never questioned my love for them. They've never worried that our relationship would come to some sort of end. Many of our relationships do, but for them, they don't know this. The fact is, the fact of my ongoing relationship and love for them is reinforced every time uh, that they willingly disobey and resist my instruction. I see this just trust that whatever they say and do, it's not going to affect our relationship. So when I say, hey, pick up your toys, and they say, no, (laughs) or if I say, eat your food, you have to eat, and they say, no, I don't want that, that you just fixed, even though I told you 10 minutes ago I did want it. Or if I say, no, no, you can't eat candy for breakfast, and they storm off and say, you're the worst dad ever. I could keep going, right? I could keep going with these kinds of moments, but no matter how often I try to teach them how to find more joy in life, because that's my goal as a dad. I want them to be healthy and happy in the right ways. And I try to teach them how to not destroy each other and their sibling relationship and rivalries and throwing toys and fighting. And they fight me tooth and nail every step of the way. There are many tears and outbursts. And then, of course, there's their reaction, too. No matter what, though, there is love between us. No matter what, it's unquestioned love. They don't hold back what they're thinking or what they're feeling as if that might affect my love for them or might somehow hinder our relationship. It's quite wonderful, really, because there's, there's this great love and they never worry that they're going to do something to damage it. And so they have this great freedom of will. They're free to say and do whatever they want because there's not the worry. Our relationship is founded on love and trust. And when it comes to important things, 
If they're in a dangerous situation or if they are scared, they listen to me. They do what I say. When it comes to the important stuff, they do. Um, they only really fight me on stuff that they know is not serious. You know, they, they somehow know when maybe it's a certain tone of voice, when it's serious and it's time to listen. I cherish the kind of freedom that they have. What a gift to witness it and to know that I cannot tarnish their love for me either. Somehow we're more honest human beings towards one another. We let our hair down. We act in ways that we don't act around other people with family, particularly me with my kids, because the whole, the whole thing's built upon love and joy. That's what we want for, and that's what we experience through one another. It's wonderful, it's great, and it's taught me so much. You know, we're in our fifth week of Lent, and we've been going through this, this series, Rend Your Hearts and Claiming the Promise. We've set out on this journey of Lent in an effort to turn ourselves toward God because we've gotten off track. We all do, which is why Lent happens every year and has happened every year for centuries because we all go through this. We are working toward Holy Week where we then tell the story once again of the crucifixion, the resurrection, and the exaltation of Christ. We do this through the Easter season. This is the foundation of our faith, the great witness of love and mercy and forgiveness through the cross, the empty tomb, through the exaltation. As Christians, we, we strive to give our full allegiance to King Jesus and, and to receive the reality of the kingdom of our King Jesus, the kingdom of God as our full reality, that the reign of God, another way to say kingdom, is over our lives right here and now. That the way we conduct ourselves, the way we are governed, is ultimately by our King Jesus. So the fulfillment of the reign or the kingdom of God is yet to be. It's not fully here yet. It's partly here. It's begun. It's not fully here. But we live now as if that future is so certain and assured that it's, it is our reality right here and now because we live in full trust that God's promise is as good as already complete, at least on our best days. Amen? So our lives are to reflect this full allegiance in all that we say and do and all that we are. The problem is we often get mixed up about what the kingdom is. As Christians, we do this. We get turned around about what God's reign even means. And so we can look within the universal church, the Catholic church, little c Catholic, the whole church of the world, and we can see that there are thousands of denominations. There are many branches of Christianity. We argue with each other. We judge each other. We qualify with qualify each other. We rarely have the presence of God's peace between us as the church worldwide. We vie for power, for influence, for authority, and we expect the world to somehow see the church as the answer. And it makes us wonder, why is the church struggling? Well, friends, we've lost our way. 
That's why. It's not about what other people are doing wrong. It's about we are not the faithful witness to the kingdom that we've been called to be, which is why we're here in Lent, to rend our hearts, to claim the promise that we may go and live it, to be the people of the reign of God. We have work to do, amen? To be the people of the reign of God, we, well, it's not that we have work to do, there's work to be done. Because it's not all our doing. As much as we put our whole selves into it, it's beyond us. It involves God. This is a partnership. And it's God's great mercy and compassion and patience and love and forgiveness that has always been fully extended to us. Always has been fully extended to us. We just have to let go of how we think things are supposed to be. We have to let go of our own self-righteousness so that we can be led in the way of God by following in the way of Jesus Christ through the leading of the Holy Spirit. Amen? This is what we're here to do. It seems simple, doesn't it? But man, we complicate it. We mess this up again and again. And believe me, I'm not picking on you, right? We're not, you're not alone. We all participate and this, if you're, if you're hearing this and you're thinking to yourself, well, I don't mess it up. Well, friends, right? You're proving that you mess it up right here and now because we are all, we all fall short of the glory of God. And we have to have the humility to understand that and accept it so that we can then turn to God and say, God, we need your help. So this problem, this complicating, this simple idea, it's not new. This isn't a new complication. We are not unique in the 21st century. This is not, this is not a new thing. This is a, a rather ancient, old human issue. We are all one species of beings, us human beings. We all come from the same place. We share the same qualities because we're all one giant family, all of us, all of us. But we are arguing and judging and qualifying and disrupting peace. We're vying for power and influence and authority. And we think that we are somehow superior to everything else. We even think we're, more, we're superior to each other. To become the family of God, to become the image bearers we were created to be, there is much work that needs to be done. And the church is to be the first group of human beings to say, there is much work that needs to be done and we need God. We are to be the first ones to, to deny ourselves and to follow in the way and the invitation of Jesus Christ. We're to be the first ones to say, we've messed up. We've gotten it wrong. We need God. We are to lead the charge of humility. And somehow that's just very hard for all of us. So this story... It's not unique to us. It goes all the way back to the beginning. And our passage today that you have heard from Jeremiah, it comes from a time when God's people, Israel, from the Old Testament was split into two. So there was Israel to the north, there was Judah to the south, because even God's people, they couldn't get along. See, this is ancient problem. Israel had been defeated, destroyed, and exiled by the Babylonians. They were gone, which was quite unsettling 
for Judah because the people of God living in the land of God in Israel, they'd been defeated, they'd been destroyed, and in essence, God had been destroyed. Because in their way of thinking, when two countries, two tribes, two, two groups of people battle, the gods are battling too. And so if one group wins, it's understood that their God won. Israel lost. Judah too might lose. I mean, if Israel could lose, Judah could lose. There's no reason for them to think otherwise. And so both groups were in the same covenant with God, and it seems that one group was now gone. The prophet Jeremiah spends a great deal of time in the whole book of Jeremiah up to this 31st chapter warning the people, if you keep heading down the same path, if you keep remaining unfaithful to the way of God, if you keep trading God's way for your own way, lording over each other, not taking care of the most vulnerable and marginalized, if you actually participate in the oppression and marginalization of people, whether they are people of your own tribe or whether they are foreigners or refugees or immigrants, if you don't act by God's justice, this is an act of unfaithfulness. And if you are unfaithful to God, you're abandoning the covenant. You're abandoning your identity as God's people. If you don't live out the Torah, Judah, bad things will happen. It's Jeremiah's call. Which, of course, the bad things did happen. They did. But in the midst of this warning, before the defeat and exile of Judah, there is a word of hope. And not just a word of hope. There is the word of hope. And it comes right in the middle when Jeremiah says, the word of God says, I will put my instructions within them, Israel, and engrave these words on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. They will no longer need to teach each other and say, know the Lord because they will all know me from the least to the greatest. For I will forgive their wrongdoing and never again remember their sins. We call this the new covenant. Jeremiah calls it that, and we see that message carried forward in the New Testament. The foundation for this new covenant is an echo of an older covenant. When God told the people at Mount Sinai in Exodus, he says, I will be their God and they will be my people. They will be my most precious possession. So this part of the covenant is not new, but the way that it's established is new. Before on Sinai and Exodus, the instructions were engraved on tablets. We call it the Decalogue or the Ten Commandments, or we call it the Law. It was engraved on tablets. The essence of these instructions was to live out the fullness of humanity as an entire group of people. Well, what's the What's the fullness of humanity? Well, the essence of the law was, if you were, I could go through all 10, and we talked about them a couple of weeks ago. But if I could sum it all up in my own words, it would be basically this. Know your place, people. God is God. Okay, God is God, and you are all equal. And, and the people of God together as one. You are not God. You are the people. God is God. Don't try to be God's. 
Don't try to be gods over each other because that will never work because you're not God. Nurture the relationships, child to parent, parent to child. Nurture the relationships, neighbor to neighbor. Be humane. Or another way to say it, be human together. Be true to the goodness that resides within us all. When relationships are in a good place, we find great joy and freedom, right? When you're in a good place with the people that you love, all of life is good. All of your whole being is good. The world around you is good. You can even get through the troubles that you face because you have good love-founded relationships to see you through them. When our relationships are built upon love as God defines it, as God defines it, and not in the effort of ourselves to lord over others, we find it truly easier to experience this good life. Even though with the best of relationships, even though we undoubtedly mess it up, and we make mistakes, right? We, we say things, we do things that hurt each other, but somehow it doesn't affect the relationship when it's built upon love and when there's commitment. When it's not a contract, when it's a covenant. You can break a contract, you can't break a covenant because it's agreed upon by two people that even when one doesn't follow through, the other one is still called to follow through when we covenant with each other. It's how relationships are meant to work. Even though in these good relationships, even though we're gonna spend a great deal of time having to unlearn many of the harmful things we have learned, and we've all learned very harmful things, and we could name them in the big ones like racism, chauvinism, homophobia, elitism, nationalism. That's the way the great family of humanity has learned some terrible ways to treat each other to not nurture the love and the good life. But when we have these kinds of relationships and we're going through the process of unlearning these harmful things, we can do that because we have support and we're committed to one another and life is good even when we struggle. It's because we know our relationships as the church, as Christians, as we're going through the process of unlearning, as we're going through the process of messing up and make mistakes, when we're founded upon God's love as God defines love, the self-giving love as witnessed in Jesus Christ, we share an identity as a people. So we're family. So we see each other through these hard times. We see each other through the things that we do that make each other mad. And when we mistreat each other, we see each other through it. And still somehow we experience this goodness and true life of humanity. That's what, that's what the Ten Commandments are all about. Nurture each other, stay committed, share humanity together, share identity in one another and in community and know that we all share a core connection because we're all human. When we hear stories of people doing wonderful things for each other, it affects us. We can hear stories of strangers. We can witness, we can witness soldiers coming home and reuniting with their family and not one of us can watch that and not have tears, not have the feelings, right? We can hear, we can watch a video of a child, you know, getting something put in their ears where for the first time they hear their mother's voice and when we see the look on their face, 
It affects us, even if we don't even know who those people are. If you've received a hug from a child that you, you don't know, or if you've been living your life and a stranger goes out of their way to do something for you, purely to do something nice for you, it affects us all. When we hear those stories, if they've happened to us themselves, it affects us, it connects us, because we all share some really common traits as human beings. We are connected in ways that we don't give credit to. We all feel something within our hearts and souls that says to us, this is good, this is right. And somewhere deep within, we have this unshakable feeling that this is what life should be all the time. It's a connection, we share it. Amidst the great fear and threat, Back in the day of Judah and Israel and Jeremiah, Jeremiah tells Judah that the day is coming when God's relationship, God's covenant will be established. This identity as they belong to God and God belongs to them, it's going to be in a new way, not on tablets. It's not going to be engraved on tablets. It's going to be engraved on their hearts, written on their hearts. It won't be a matter of reading stone tablets, or memorizing the words of a teacher, or thinking of their social status having any effect upon their identity as children of God. All of them will know God. doesn't say all of them will know about God, will know all the right things. No, it says they will know God. And the relationship will not be founded upon past mistakes and transgressions and iniquities that will all be set aside forever. God is doing something new in this prophecy of the new covenant. The relationship is not going to be founded upon accusation and shortcomings and earning it. It's going to be founded upon love as God defines it. Love between them and God. Love between them and each other. And in that time, when God fulfills this new covenant, the kingdom will be complete. We're not there yet, but it has begun. And the good news for us to take home today is that we can look at this story of Judah and Israel. We can understand our connection as human beings and we can know that God is calling us all back to our humanity as it was intended to be. As we all know deep down somewhere that it was meant to be and can be and we know through Jeremiah it will be. God calls us to give up our quest to rule over others. God calls us to lay down our weapons and break down the walls around our hearts. God calls us to set down our own understanding of our own identity so that we may find life of our true selves in and through Jesus Christ. The death, resurrection, and exaltation of King Jesus began the new covenant. We are getting ready to tell that story again. 
We've received the very presence of God within us through the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Even if you've not been baptized, the Holy Spirit is at work in your life through God's grace. Whether it's love and grace you experience from other people around you, or with, whether it's the leading in your life that is having, having more and more influence over you, or you are having more and more trouble ignoring it. We are called, all of us, to live today as people of the new covenant. God is bringing the redemption of all the earth and everyone and everything in it to fruition through the work of the new covenant that we're experiencing right now. We are called to give our allegiance to the kingdom and the new covenant right here and right now so that we can know God in our hearts. Answer the call of God, friends. Answer the call of God in faith and trust. Truly examine your hearts and examine the ways that you and we have broken relationship. We've broken relationship with God. We've broken relationship with one another. Open your eyes and your heart to the brokenness in the world all around us and our extensive effort to remain blind to the brokenness around us. We don't wanna see the things that we are invited to see. We don't wanna hear the cries of the oppressed, which is why many of us make great effort to ignore it or requalify it or just look for a voice that says more what we want to hear. Listen for God's voice, friends. Let God lead us. May May you let God enter into your heart through the Holy Spirit. May you give your allegiance to the grace, to the love, to the peace, the compassion, to the mercy, and to the forgiveness of God as revealed through Jesus Christ. And may we rend our hearts in this time of Lent that we may claim the promise of the kingdom of God of the future right here and right now in the present. Amen. We thank you for worshiping with us. And it is our hope that through the Holy Spirit, you have felt the touch of God upon your life. If you would like to know more about our church and its ministries, please visit our website at sellersburgumc.com.